How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola energy. Energy you want, taste you love. Many of us, and I don't think you can pray, I think you have to be living under a rock not to know that there is a Syrian refugee crisis. There are nations worldwide, including ours, that have said, we will take so many thousand men, women, and children who are fleeing the war-torn nation of Syria. Some of them are police officers who ISIS has a price on their head. Some are families who fear their daughters or their sisters will be kidnapped or raped and sold uh, by ISIS uh, for wives and, and to be used for their very murderous terrorist ways. There are those that are viewed as enemies of the president, Bashar al-Assad, even though he has not uh, accepted responsibility, the military works at his uh, bequest, and those people, in a sense, if they go left, they've got ISIS, they go right, they've got the president, they have nowhere to go. So people that don't back this leader, and the majority of people there that do not back ISIS, those who are living within a caliphate and don't want to be under the reign of ISIS, um, have escaped. And they went where they felt they could have asylum. I mean, Germany opened its arms and needed the numbers, and we talked about this. But now, a lot of people are saying, we can't, we can't do this. We've got to, we've either got to get rid of Assad or we've got to work with him. I mean, Russia's supplying you know, military supplies. They're helping him. They're backing him. Our president doesn't agree with him. Today, President Obama spoke at the UN, as did President Vladimir Putin. They are speaking right now uh, with each other. But I want to give you a taste of what the president said to the UN General Assembly, if you missed it. This is President Barack Obama uh, regarding what he wants from Russia and what kind of a Russia he wants with us. Consider Russia's annexation of Crimea and further aggression in eastern Ukraine. America has few economic interests in Ukraine. We recognize the deep and complex history between Russia and Ukraine. But we cannot stand by when the sovereignty and territorial integrity of a nation is flagrantly violated. If that happens without consequence in Ukraine, it could happen to any nation gathered here today. That's the basis of the sanctions that the United States and our partners impose on Russia. It's not a desire to return to a Cold War. Now, within Russia, state-controlled media may describe these events as an example of a resurgent Russia. A view shared, by the way, by a number of U.S. politicians and commentators who have always been deeply skeptical of Russia and seem to be convinced a new Cold War is, in fact, upon us. And yet, look at the results. The Ukrainian people are more interested than ever in aligning with Europe instead of Russia. Sanctions have led to capital flight, a contracting economy, a fallen ruble, and the emigration of more educated Russians. Imagine if instead Russia had engaged 
in true diplomacy and worked with Ukraine and the international community to ensure its interests were protected. That would be better for Ukraine, but also better for Russia and better for the world, which is why we continue to press for this crisis to be resolved in a way that allows a sovereign and democratic Ukraine to determine its future and control its territory. Not because we want to isolate Russia, we don't, but because we want a strong Russia that's invested in working with us to strengthen the international system as a whole. Geez, and you look at the type of people, for those of you that aren't so narrow-minded that you think that these are all terrorists or trying, you know, they're ISIS members trying to, um, you know, come into the country. Um, you you got to listen to what our president said about these people. These are ordinary people and what he said about their fears and what he said about the exploitation of these individuals. This is further President Obama speaking at the U.N. General Assembly earlier today. March of human progress never travels in a straight line, that our work is far from complete, that dangerous currents risk pulling us back into a darker, more disordered world. Today we see the collapse of strong men and fragile states breeding conflict and driving innocent men, women and children across borders on an epic scale. Brutal networks of terror have stepped into the vacuum. Technologies that empower individuals are now also exploited by those who spread disinformation or suppress dissent or radicalize our youth. Global capital flows have powered growth and investment, but also increased risk of contagion, weakened the bargaining power of workers, and accelerated inequality. How should we respond to these trends? There are those who argue that the ideals enshrined in the UN Charter are unachievable or out of date, a legacy of a post-war era not suited to our own. Effectively, they argue for a return to the rules that applied for most of human history and that predate this institution, the belief that power is a zero-sum game that might makes right, that strong states must impose their will on weaker ones, that the rights of individuals don't matter, and that in a time of rapid change, order must be imposed by force. On this basis, we see some major powers assert themselves in ways that contravene international law. We see an erosion of the democratic principles and human rights that are fundamental to this institution's mission. Information is strictly controlled, the space for civil society restricted. We're told that such retrenchment is required to beat back disorder that it's the only way to stamp out terrorism or prevent foreign meddling. In accordance with this logic, we should support tyrants like Bashar al-Assad, who drops barrel bombs to massacre innocent children because 
The alternative is surely worse. The increasing skepticism of our international order can also be found in the most advanced democracies. We see greater polarization, more frequent gridlock, movements on the far right and sometimes the left that insist on stopping the trade that binds our fates to other nations, calling for the building of walls to keep out immigrants. And most ominously, we see the fears of ordinary people being exploited through appeals to sectarianism or tribalism or racism or anti-Semitism, appeals to a glorious past before the body politic was infected by those who look different or worship God differently, a politics of us versus them. The United States is not immune from this. No, it's not. And I, I don't think we can act like we do. You know, sometimes when we talk about things uh, that are international in nature or foreign policy on the program, uh, honestly, we don't always get as many people calling. We really love to talk about what's going on here and domestic issues and, you know, if it bleeds, it leads. Well, there are people bleeding here, folks. And we do have a president trying to lead. But it's very hard when you don't have the international community on board with you 100%. Certainly most of our allies are of the same mindset. When you look at Great Britain, when you look at France, when you look at uh, Germany, that is not the case with Russia. Now, for some, many people in America couldn't point out Syria on a map. And there are some that don't understand what is going on in Syria, and why this is a conversation. So let's give some brief background, ask some questions, and take your calls at 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Now, you heard the president slam adversaries in Russia and in Syria, political foes at home, and continues to use and defend the use of diplomacy over force. And we heard that again in his UN address today. War, what is it good for? Whenever possible, shouldn't we try to use diplomacy? That's one of the things I do like and admire about this president. This is a president that was defensive in his speech, even accusatory in his speech. But his favorite weapon, which started him to get recognized on the scene, were the words, because that tongue is mightier than the sword. And that is his favorite weapon. Using as a great orator, his words to beat back challengers from the international community, challengers from across the aisle conservatives right here in this country, people who say, look, you're weak, you're a weak leader, because Putin has that mindset, conservatives have that mindset, who they feel has presided over a legacy of declining power abroad. And what he did is he took the unusual step of harnessing the global stage to rebuke these views, to rebuke the views of Republican presidential candidates on immigration and religious pluralism, very mindful that it was a speech to the world body and actually the last speech the president will give on this level to the UN, to the world, before the race to replace him and how that will overwhelm the conversation here, throughout this nation, and even throughout the world. 
The president slammed the building of walls to keep out immigrants. The president slammed the demonizing of those of different religions. The president did not mention Ben Carson, Donald Trump by name, but he did seem to reference the remarks that they have had throughout their campaign. He took direct aim at Russian President Vladimir Putin and Syrian President Bashar al-Assad. He said their actions have flouted international rules and brought their countries back in time, and I would agree with that. Now, Putin put the onus on we, the United States, for much of the chaos in the Middle East. He blamed us. The finger was at us. The finger pointing at us. The U.N. address came within 90 minutes of the president leaving the stage where Putin blamed our nation and our allies for creating a power vacuum in the Middle East and North Africa, and that includes Libya, and waging a campaign he feels against his nation of Russia using the economic sanctions and the expansion of NATO. Putin proposed a global alliance to rebuild the Syrian state and to wage war against ISIS. He also mocked the failure of the United States, he said, to deploy moderate opposition fighters in Syria to fight the terror organization known as ISIS. He said, quote, first they are armed and trained and then they defect to the so-called Islamic State. Now, speaking generally about the remarks, a senior U.S. administration official pointed to the president's own remarks earlier in the day. And we've played some of these just now. The best response is what the president said about the need to work collectively through and not in contravention of the institutions, including the U.N. He said the president's remarks laid out pretty stark terms how our approach differs from what we've seen in Moscow. Well, the president has been under fire here at home, as you know, America. He's also been under fire from world leaders. Putin is not just the only one. And he's been under fire because it's been very slow progress in the fight of ISIS. And you know the world looks to the United States to lead that fight. He also, they feel, has failed to dislodge the Russian fighters entrenched in eastern Ukraine. And, of course, the onus is on Putin for that strategy and that move. But I ask you, how do you, America, feel? How do you, as an American, a taxpayer, perhaps a voter, feel that the situation in Syria got to this point? Who do you blame, or what do you blame for this, honestly? How did the situation in Syria get so bad? Who or what do you blame for this? 8886 Leslie, 8886537543 is the number. Now, how should we have handled Assad in the past? Some people said we should have taken him out. Some people said we should have forced him out. Do we yet invade yet us another sovereign nation? We saw how that went down in Iraq. And now it may be that we have to work with him and keep him in place. And what should be done now, in your opinion? How should we have handled Assad in the past? And what do we do about Bashar al-Assad now? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Now, the president defended his use of diplomacy over force in his U.N. speech today. Do you agree with this premise? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. And why do some people feel violence is the only way to get what they want like Putin? Doesn't violence begat violence? And is that the only way we can fight an Assad or an ISIS? 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is the number. Now, the speech at the U.N. was the last one the president before the 2016 race consumes the national dialogue. Did the president address, in your opinion, all the necessary issues at the U.N. before the U.N. General Assembly today? Did he address all the necessary issues 
If not, what would you have liked to see him touch upon more? 8886-LESLIE. 888-653-7543 is the number. Now, the president slammed the building of walls to keep out immigrants. He also slammed demonizing those of different religions at the U.N. today. Will the rest of the world now see the bigotry of these kinds of ideas? And even the bigotry of our own Republican Party. 8886-LESLIE. 888-653-7543 is the number. You know, shouldn't we look at these as people, as human beings, regardless of their religion? You know, if they were Christians, we'd have celebrities singing and raising funds for them, right? I'm Leslie Marshall. We're going to take a break. We'll come back to your calls. Join me at 8886-LESLIE. Back after this. Leslie Marshall. Real people. Real life. Real talk. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. But uh, I was talking too much and played all that audio. So we're going to take a break and come back. If you're holding, don't go anywhere. I want to get your take as to who you blame for this crisis in Syria, what should have been done with Assad, what we do now, and the idea of diplomacy versus military action. Obama wants diplomacy. Putin wants the latter. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543. Back after this. position, you can get an upset stomach. Experts say that nearly all of us eventually develop some sort of digestive problems, and that's because as we age, our stomachs produce less of the enzymes needed to break down food. So do what I do when I have that queasy, uneasy, refluxy feeling. Take a Gutsy Chewy tablet. Gutsy Chewy is an oral and digestive supplement, and best of all, it's natural. Gutsy Chewies were invented by my, 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 my buddy, Dr. Doug Hagigi. He is a gastroenterologist and a dentist, and he blended natural heartburn remedies like papaya, licorice root, and apple cider vinegar and then he added calcium magnesium and xylitol for oral health as well and what happens when you put all these things together they actually boost your body's natural defense against heartburn and reflux gutsy chewies are gluten and lactose free they come in citrus and wild berry flavors so when you get that queasy uneasy refluxy feeling take a gutsy chewy tablet you'll feel better and it's better for your health learn more at gutsyproducts.com or call 855 go gutsy that's 855-484-8879 that's gutsyproducts.com Let's get to the calls. We are talking Syria. We're talking the president's speech as well as Vladimir Putin before the U.N. General Assembly. The two are sitting down and speaking right now. Uh, let's get to the calls. 888-6-LESLIE, 888-653-7543 is uh, the number. And we started out with Mike in Massachusetts, line one. Mike, good afternoon. Hi, how are you? Good. How are you doing? Good. Uh, let me just start off by saying I'm huge into politics. I, uh, I'm a student at UMass Amherst, and I commute a lot to work, and I listen to your show. Not necessarily because I agree with it, but because I like to get both sides of the story. But um, on the ride home today, I was on the ride home from work, I was listening to uh, 
Obama's speech at the UN, and I agreed with it for the most part. But then I really didn't think that he should be talking about domestic issues within the U.S. I think that it really weakened his uh, position. And I don't think Russia would have ever done that. And I, I, it's not that I don't disagree with what he said. Just I don't think it was a time or the place that we talked okay, about. Okay, interesting. That, so you when feel when you're be- so you feel when you're before the UN, you have to harp on the international issues. One of the most pressing, or two of the most pressing, are the crisis in Syria and ISIS. Um, mm-hmm. and, and so you think you should have stuck to that because it, it's almost like the UN and the other countries really don't have any part of that business. Then again, if you had the opportunity, and I and I say this because I do speak right, and mm-hmm. uh, let's say I'm speaking somewhere that's going to close. Right. Because I I don't want to even think about the last time I speak. That means close to death, I would think for me. But, um, you know, maybe I'm going to say something that I wouldn't normally say to that audience because it's the only opportunity I'm going to have. And I want to be heard and I want to stress that. And then again, even though you may feel that certain domestic issues like immigration or religious tolerance within the United States are not for the UN audience's ears, I disagree, and let me tell you why, especially when it comes to religious tolerance. The United, well, Na- the United Nations is an assembly of leaders from every nation, from all different types of religions. And I'm sure there are people out there who are Hindu or, or Baha'i or Parsi who thought when Ben Carson said what he said, well, what do you think about us? And, you know, I, I mean, and we got to be very careful because we need to work not just financially, economically, um, you, you know, globally, uh, but certainly uh, when it comes to uh, fighting uh, ISIS or when we have a crisis like refugees or when even we have earthquakes or other natural disasters, we need to come together internationally as a community, as one, uh, not nation, but many nations on one shared planet. Climate change is another area we need to work together. So I, I don't agree. With, I hear what you're saying, but I don't agree with it because that audience definitely well, this has is, to do this with immigration. Well, is the thing that I didn't agree with. It wasn't so much the issue of immigration and about uh, religious tolerance. Everybody knows very well what he was talking about, and he's, he's politically slamming two people running for president. And I, and now, I don't. I don't that. agree with that because, no quite frankly, he's not running for president, and and Democrats aren't and, and Democrats no, who voted for him or who like any Democrat aren't going to vote for either of those people. Donald Trump and Ben Carson. That's what he was doing. No, he was slamming what yes, they was. said. He, if he was slamming them, he would have said he wasn't Trump. slamming them. He was slamming what they said, and I agree with him and in that, an international setting, slamming what he said. Beating around the bush because that's what slamming a person is. No, I don't think it's beating around the bush at all. Donald Trump is not the only person that feels that we should build a wall and keep immigrants out. And you're yes, talking to leaders. Wait, you're talking to leaders from nations that we do business with, who have people from their nations come to this country to work or to study. I don't know. The problem that I have is just it seems like people, when people take a side, I'm a registered independent, but it seems when people take a side, their minds are so clouded with I'm right. I'm right. I'm going to look at it through this specific angle. But when you're looking at it truly, I, I want I'm I'm. Lean, lean right on most of my issues, but there are some things that I lean a little left on, and that's why I'm so registered as an independent. That's why I listen to your show and I listen to other news programs. But at the same time, I, I think that your mind's a little clouded with with uh, no, sweetheart, it isn't. Right I was a regist- I, I, really I was a registered independent for longer than you're alive. I was a registered. It doesn't matter what you're registered at. I agree with the president. Rego- I agree. And another thing, when I'm talking, you wait, and I wait when okay. you talk. It's called okay. a conversation. Uh, one. I agree with what the president said, and you know what? I don't agree with him on everything, but I do agree with I do agree there should not be a wall, and I do agree that we should have religious tolerance 
and I do agree with him mentioning both of those things at the UN. So we disagree, and that we disagree, and that has to be my and that is my no, opinion, it's, not it's, my political position. It's how he said it. I I just think that a statement would have been far stronger if he had focused more on international issues, which is what the whole meeting was about. It was you don't think religious well. tolerance is an international issue? Yes, yes, but that is not the issue at hand at this moment. It was what to do I with disagree with you. The, no, Syri- the Syrian rep, there are many countries, inclu- wait, there are many, many countries, including our own, that are hesitant to help uh, the Syrian refugees because there is a belief because they're Muslim that they're all terrorists and trained by ISIS, which is not only extreme ignorance, um, but it, 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 it's also very bigoted and it's intolerant of that, those people of that religion. Yes, you're right. But at the same time, we're talking about two incredibly evil regimes here. We're talking about ISIS fighting another incredibly evil president who a few years ago was bombing innocent people, innocent children, carpet-bombing the cities. And when you say it's, it, these are two Muslim, um, Muslim uh, governments fighting each other, governments isn't the right word, but two, two uh, forces fighting each other that are both Muslim. They have different ideologies, of course, but they're both Muslim. It's not that we're both. I wouldn't say Assad's. I wouldn't say Assad's a Muslim sweetheart. Um, I, I, I mean, just because, just because your parents are that and you were raised, that doesn't mean you were that. Because anybody who is a Jew, a Christian, or a Muslim believes in the, a true Jew, Christian, or Muslim, Muslim believes in the Ten Commandments. And one of the, those commandments is, "Thou shalt not murder," or "Thou shalt not kill." If you use oh, yeah, a more I modern uh, version. I agree. But, but the problem that I'm having with all of this isn't that it's. It seems like they're, they're, they're ducking from the real issues. The real at-hand extreme issue that is killing millions of people in the Middle East right now, or close to it if it's not at that point yet, is the violence that's going on between these warring powers. That's what needs to be ended, first and foremost. And then well, I don't know where you're getting the millions. That number isn't accurate. I, I, and, yeah, uh, and, and, and you know what? Is that our business to do, or is that the Middle East business? No, it's not. I don't think it's our business to do, but we need to, we need to help. So I'm very confused. You want him to speak about it, not do anything about it, yet not speak about things that he can do something about? No, no, no. I think he should speak about it and aid in any way that he can, but we don't need military forces there. There's two incredible. Say, look at that. We agree on something. And I yeah, agree. I agree. I agree, I, I agree I with you there. We agree on a lot of things. I listen to your program, and I do agree with you on a lot of things. But I think that there are some issues that uh, a Democrat sees things in a certain light, and a Republican sees things in a certain light. Well, that's, I, that, that's obvious when you have a politician. But not everybody who is of one ilk. Uh, feels that way. Mike, I appreciate your call. Stay away from the partying in JQA. It'll be hard for you to dry home. Uh, we will continue with the calls. We go to Chris in New Mexico, line two. John Quincy Adams, a big dormitory at UMass. Half my Hi, class went there. Hey, Chris, how are you doing? Good afternoon. Good, good. How are you? Good. Um, I'm kind of on the same page as we were, you know, the last gentleman, only as far as we don't need to get into Syria right now. Um, the Syrian people are ultimately responsible for their own nation. And if they can get some help and arms uh, from somebody, then fine. But we certainly don't need to put troops on the ground. We don't need to butt heads with Russia. Apparently, he's going to wind up on the other side of this whole thing. Um, I just think the whole situation could get very dangerous very fast if, if we're not and I think Obama's the right, really the right guy to have in there right now. 
Oh, no, I, I so, agree. I would agree with you as well because some people say, well, if we had, you know, bombed them or taken them out before, you know, so there are, unfortunately, there are many Americans, or it seems to be somewhat the American mindset, like, hey, whenever we have a problem, bomb it away. And, that, and, that, and we have seen that is not the solution or that it may be a temporary fix, but it's not a long-term solution to problems such as uh, we see in Syria, certainly. Um, and, and, you know, we, we've learned – are still suffering from the invasion um, of the sovereign nation of Iraq. So now I agree with you. I, I agree with you uh, 100%. The military is not always the solution. I know there are people that blame Obama for what we're going through now um, and for the refugee crisis because they feel if we had taken military action, the refugee crisis wouldn't be there. I think if we had taken military action, we would still have thousands of people looking for a new home. One, one thing that does bother me is the refugees. I mean, I would, I really want to see the women and children get out of harm's way. But when there's troves of young males leaving their country who could be fighting for their country, there's, I don't know, that's that kind of... Well, you know, I've, I've heard that many times, and I did a lot of research on this because when I'm on Fox, I'm going to, you know, fight a lot of conservatives on, you know, such an issue. Um, one, fight with what? These people are not armed. Uh, many of these people coming here are very, very poor. I mean, it, it, they, they don't have any. They don't have two nickels to rub together. Um, uh, and fight with what? I mean, just look at the wealth and the type of weaponry that both ISIS and the president's military have. They don't stand a chance. And that's one of the reasons they're leaving. Another thing is ISIS and the, and the president each have their um, targets, if you will. If you were against him, against the government, um, you know, they're going to get you. If you educated your daughter or you have some daughters or sisters um, or you have a woman whose husband is in there, ISIS is going to target you. If you were in the police, uh, ISIS is going to target you. Uh, A lot of these people are fleeing for their lives because they have a price on their head, whether from ISIS or whether from the president or both. Right, but wait, wait, wait. And another thing, another thing. In many of these especially poorer families, um, you have to understand the culture, okay? And being that I've lived in Muslim countries, in many Muslim nations in the culture, especially outside of the, uh, the big cities, the women don't travel without the men. The women don't work, the men do. In other words, the men are the men that many of our grandfathers or great-grandfathers were, which is they're the breadwinner, they pay the bills, they do the finances, they make all the decisions. She's like the little woman who has the kids and cooks. Now, I know some people may say, oh, that sounds very sexist, but I mean, in a sense, that was the traditional uh, family at one time. Uh, Not that I agree with it, but... Uh, that's very much how it is. A lot of these people, you know, people don't drive. A lot of times, the husband will speak a different language, uh, maybe English, which is a common language, uh, and the women do not. They're not educated, perhaps, or they don't have a skill. And the other thing is, you have to remember, in a lot, a lot of these societies, a woman without a man is 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 in danger. And the only way that she's going to be able to provide for her children is to beg or to prostitute herself, and she puts herself and any females in her family at great risk of being raped, not having a man there to protect her. And I know that may sound horrific, but it's a reality. No, I, and I appreciate your perspective, and I know that you probably know a lot more about that than I do. It's just that we went through, we had a revolution. It took somebody to fight it. And but you got to have something to fight them. with. you got to have something right. to fight with. They don't have weapons. It only takes one bullet. Assad is only one guy. 
And when he's gone, you kill, you cut the head off that snake, and well, things are going to change. I, I agree, and maybe the bullet, maybe you know, who knows? I'm sure that we have, uh, I'm sure that we do have some military in Syria, uh, clandestine, uh, some kind of special ops. Um, you know, I, I don't know. We took out Bin Laden. We we certainly could take out uh, Assad, and we certainly paved the way for uh, Gaddafi to be taken down. Um, but if if Assad, the problem also the problem is, if Assad is gone. That actually leads to more destabilizing of that country and makes it easier for ISIS. So, you know, this is even though it's ahead of a snake, we want to cut off. Which which head do we cut off first? I think ISIS is the head we need to cut off before Assad, quite frankly. Right, but now that Russia is in the picture, uh, well, no, Russia's always Russia's always Russia's always been in the picture. Russia's always right, been in the picture right. with support for Iran and Syria. Well, maybe uh, maybe we should let. Russia step in and fight ISIS. I don't. I don't know that Russia could do it alone. Um, and I have. Yeah, I have no problem with that. I mean, you know, Putin likes you know to provide the bullets. You know, go ahead, absolutely. But I also think that we have, and I know that I've had in the past, an ignorance as to that. It's not like you know we have GPS and it's like oh they're over there. <laughs> do you know what I mean? Um, they yeah. have they have a hell of a military. They're making millions of dollars a day and buying and 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 they have weapons and support from many places. Remember, a lot of the people that have joined them are very violent, very angry individuals who are just pissed off at something and just want to kill something or someone, and they don't even care what the cause is. I really appreciate your call and uh, talking to you. Please call again. Um, I need to take some others, but thank you uh, for that, and uh, I appreciate you joining us. Thank you to Chris. Great. We're going to take a break. Thank you, Chris. We're going to take a break. We'll be right back. If you're holding, hang tight, and we're going to have you join us in a moment. I'm Leslie Marshall. I want to hear more of what, about what you have to say with regard to Syria, how we ended up with the refugees, who you blame, what should have been done with Assad, what do we need to do now. You've heard two ideas. The president says diplomacy, and Putin says military. Where do you stand? 8886-LESLIE is the number. Don't go away. Leslie Marshall, the simple truth in a complicated world. Give her a call now at 888-6-LESLIE. Syria, the president did before the U.N. General Assembly, that and other things, and so did Russian President Vladimir Putin. The two leaders are sitting talking as we speak. So let's speak and let's talk about what's going on uh, in your minds with this, who's to blame, what should be done, what should have been done, and what we can do now. Let's go to New Jersey on line three with Chuck. Hey, Chuck, good afternoon. Thank you for uh, joining us. What will stop Assad and who should stop Assad and how? You know, Leslie, when um, the president said Putin and Assad's actions have ignored international rules, I, I really didn't know if I should laugh or cry. Why? Um, Assad's been ignoring international rules for, I don't know, forever. You know, with the poison gas, barrel bombs, killing civilians. Um, the president draws red lines 
that are completely ignored. Russia sees a great opportunity to move in and exert their sphere of influence. So we have this unbelievable mess. So you feel that the president should, when he drew the line in the sand, there are many who feel this way, and it doesn't matter what their ideology is, um, that he ended up bluffing and that he didn't follow through with his threat and that he should have. Well, yeah. I mean, it's funny you'd mentioned bluffing. I mean, if, if foreign policy is a chess match, okay, Putin is a grandmaster, and the president just learned how the pieces move. Um, you know, with a guy like Putin, who's a bully, you can't make, really for the world, you can't make threats, draw red lines, and then not do anything. I mean, we're the United States. When the United States is not a leader in the world, the world is a much more dangerous, unstable place. And I, I think, you know, I guess by design, the president is kind of withdrawing, you know, uh, from the United States, you know, kind of uh, from the from the world affairs and kind of letting things happen. And uh, I guess the, the bottom line answer to your question is, yes, we should have done something. Okay. Uh, th- uh, thank you for that. And I look forward to hearing from you again there in Jersey, Chuck. Let's go to Helen in Ithaca, New York on line five. Hi, Helen. Good afternoon. Hi. Good afternoon, Leslie. Um, thanks for taking my call. Um, I sort of agree with uh, the last caller. I, I don't very much agree with the two previous callers. The last caller, we should have done something sooner. This Assad character, I hope somebody is writing his biography or something because there are so many questions I you know, he's a physician. His father was bad. He's much worse, you know. And yep. he's a physician, uh, MD, ophthalmologist, I believe. And I'm surprised that the guy's still alive and hasn't killed himself for what he has done to his country, how much he's universally detested. And what I wanted to say about the uh, the, the U.N. today, well, I think when um, President Obama was making a mention about the fences, I, I thought that was like, oh, I, don't think he, I wasn't thinking of Trump at all, you know. I was thinking it was like a global, like um, a universality. We've got this major problem, and we've all got to, like, not build fences. We've got to all get together, pitch in, and help. And that's the big problem that they've had with the EU, like countries such as Hungary was putting up those horrible barbed wire fences. And, uh, and, and Hungary in 1956, they had over 200,000 people because they were fleeing communism. They were, Europe just welcomed men with open arms, and then they're not, they have like a very tiny minutia of people that they're expected to accept. And they're, you know, refused, well, actually the only, sorry, I'm rambling, the only uh, country that is actually suing the EU, I think, is Slovakia. The other one said, we don't agree, but we'll accept our quota and take a, a lot of uh, A lot of good points that you've made, and, I, and you know, this is the kind of discussion, I, I mean, quite frankly, I'm, I'm encouraged by hearing Americans talk like this, voters talk like this, and I think this is the kind of discussion world leaders need to have without podiums, perhaps, you know, sitting down with a... You know, a coffee or a beer and, you know, seriously hashing out, okay, this is what we could have done. This is where we're at and this is where we need to be. Speaking of that, we are out of time. This is no ordinary sub shop. This is Firehouse Subs. Welcome to Firehouse. Tired of overpriced lunches that underdeliver on flavor? Head to Firehouse Subs, where for a limited time, you can get a $4.99 choice sub. Choose from a medium smoked turkey, Virginia honey ham, or roast beef. They're custom-made hot subs at a price ready-made to make you smile. Just $4.99, only at Firehouse Subs. Enjoy more subs, save more lives. Participating locations plus tax, limited time offer, prices may vary for delivery. How to show up with Coca-Cola energy. You're tired and you're thinking of canceling on your friends. Don't do it! 
Every time you cancel on a friend, a unicorn loses its horn and becomes a regular horse. Do you really want that on your conscience? Instead, grab an ice-cold can of Coca-Cola Energy with delicious Coke taste and reinvigorating energy. Keep the unicorns alive! Show up every day with Coca-Cola Energy. Energy you want, taste you love.